This podcast is supported by the University of Tartu Astra Project Peraspera, financed by the European Regional Development Fund. Hey everyone, welcome to the Communicating Science Podcast, where we discuss the challenges and pitfalls of PhD research and hopefully give you some insight and advice. I'm Jason. And I'm Katarina. And we're your hosts. So for today's episode, we'll be talking to Judah, a lecturer at Tartu University and head of the Center of Academic Writing and Communication, and Jason, a PhD student at the Department of Semiotics. So hi, Jason. Hi, Judah. And Judah, I would just ask you to shortly introduce yourself, if you will. Um, yes. Uh, well, thank you, Katarina. So uh, I am the head of the Center of Academic Writing and Communication at the University of Tartu. Um, and also teaching the course Communicating Science. Um, primarily, I'm focusing on the uh, presentation techniques uh, at this point, but uh, but I have been teaching academic writing for, for a long time as well. Thank you. And uh, Jason, what about you? Yes, so I'm also contributing to the presentation part of the Communicating Science. And actually, I've had a long tradition in the realm of public speaking, going way back to actually when I was in high school. So in the U.S., I joined a speech team. Basically, that came out of the fact that I took a public speaking course as a sort of filler class, but I ended up getting offered if I joined the speech and debate team, I wouldn't have to take a final exam at the end of the semester. So I went to my first speech competition, I wrote a original oratory, which is basically just a speech on any topic I wanted to write about. And since then, I have been doing competitive public speaking. So at the University of Oklahoma, I was on the college team there. And even now, doing my PhD studies in Estonia, I still do speech competitions here and then, and have actually had the chance to train military generals, politicians, and just journalists and anyone you can imagine in the realm of public speaking. Thanks for that intro. And actually, yeah, I, I think everybody will be quite interested to hear more about this. Uh, but basically, I would like to start off uh, with one question for the both of you. Uh, and we can start with Jason, uh, as you already actually provided some, some more detail about this. But what actually got you interested in exploring further presentation uh, skills and techniques? Yeah, so with that, I've always been a bit of a dramatic person and just enjoying hearing my own voice is always what brings one's interest in. But no, actually with that, so again, I mentioned I started taking that public speaking course and it was just such an interesting experience to, hey, you have time to write a speech, write your speech, start practicing it, and now you're going to perform it in front of judges and everything else. And so at this time, back in the U.S., this is where all the reality shows about, like, American Idol and stuff like that were still popular. So in a way, it was sort of a competition about public speaking. So I did my first speech, and it was, like, a really interesting time. I ended up actually placing in the competition. I didn't get first or anything, since there was still a lot of rough edges to work around. But it was actually really exciting to be able to kind of compete with something that was very communicative and being able to tell sort of my perspective. So instead of other things in the realm of, you know, sports where I used to do track, where, okay, you've learned this skill, you've learned this physical ability, now do that to the best of your ability. But in the realm of speaking, you really got to pave your own way and how you communicate and how you connect with the audience. 
So for me, it was really exciting to be able to build myself up and be able to build myself as a character and express that in a lot of ways. Thank you. And uh, Judah, do you have something to add to this? Uh, well, the, the, my interest in, in presentation techniques or, or public speaking actually grew from the fact that I, um, that, that I teach uh, teachers. Uh, and actually, I teach university teachers. So that was the main reason why I uh, started uh, teaching at the University of Tartu. Um, and of course, the, the teachers are a specific, um, you know, specific, you know, group of, of people who not only have to teach to university students, but they also need to, uh, well, present their research. So in addition to well, seeing the teaching itself as a genre, um, I, I explored the uh, academic presentation with those students as well um, as, as, a, as a way to promote actually communication. Uh, so my interest has always been in in, in communication techniques, uh, because this was something that I felt was um, problematic uh, with a lot of the students that I uh, well that I that I got in my lessons. Uh, so for many of those uh, those those lecturers in this case, uh, and researchers, you know, who had to teach their subjects to students, uh, fear was definitely uh, one aspect of it. But the other aspect was also about. Um, uh, well, knowing how to, well, knowing how to communicate a story to students that will captivate them, and um, and I spend a lot of, uh, for example, you know, lecture visits with them as well to see how they actually communicate to students, and and then you notice that uh, that well, certain communicational aspects and techniques were just missing, and uh, and then once I started to teach the academic writing course. Uh, I felt okay. Well, I can explore that and and then expand that also to include uh, well the other important uh, skill that uh, PhD student needs, which is uh, well, giving academic presentations. Yeah, because I guess it all comes down to, as you mentioned, telling a story. So we do this either by writing or, or speaking. And actually, this would bring me to to a further question and related to this is actually storytelling uh, as a technique as i know that this is one very important feature of the communicating science course so jason actually you have been quite engaged in this can you tell us a bit more about storytelling techniques and what have been your experiences yeah definitely so right now in a lot of things so for example the business world storytelling sort of becoming a buzzword where it's like oh yeah use storytelling but one of the things is storytelling has been with us as a society historically from the back in the Greek and the Roman times. You had, you know, the traveling poets who would go around and tell these epic stories and pass them on from person to person. And storytelling has been something that really captivates humanity and really connects us together as a whole. And oftentimes as this sort of internal uh, storytelling development goes, it kind of gets lost in the world of academia where people go, okay, now state your facts, put this list of facts out, but then you actually lose the engagement. And a lot of times people lose the engagement within their own research as well. One of the things I noticed if you ask, you know, a PhD student or even a master's student, oh, why are you doing this? Why is your topic this? They typically don't have a good answer. They're just oh, I'm studying this because I am. And that really doesn't get anyone interested in what they're doing. And I feel like, especially out in the world where now you have, you know, marketing on you all the time, you have politicians who are telling stories and being bigger, 
and you know everything's almost you know being presented in a story if you aren't able to tell your story why things matter to you and get people really invested and interested in what you have to say then you sort of lose touch and i feel like a lot of people are forgetting this sort of innate interest we have in stories we have in relating to other people and imagining a better future and this connection's getting lost and so that's why i think really developing students' storytelling skills um, helps them better able to explain what they do, especially to a wider audience, but also to themselves. So I feel like everyone should be able to answer, oh, this is why I'm studying it. And the answer behind why you're studying it is often a story. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, actually, this just reminded me, and I guess you would probably agree with this one, one colleague mentioned to me this summer, great so you can of course focus on your dissertation this is a really good thing but always bear in mind this you know product placement you know how actually you get to people how are you able to communicate your research how wide it gets uh, so uh, this is really valuable thank you and uh, judah actually i was wondering if i would ask you if or anybody if they would ask you one question why does this matter so why does acquiring uh, these presentations skills and techniques actually matter what would you say like in the sense of you know so what yeah, I think that's a really good question, and um, I, I, I mean, there. I think that in in the years that I've taught the course itself, it has uh, developed into into something that we're now trying to promote in the communication science uh, course. Um, coming from a very very careful approach when I started, you know, trying to get people to you know jump over that threshold of just, you know, speaking in public, you know, with overcoming that those kind of fears to now being much more, um, you know, much more proactive in, in, in getting students really to tell their story. Um, you know, so, so last year we also worked with, uh, with Jason on this topic. And, uh, and of course, what we see is that, you know, in, in some cases, specifically, you know, first year PhD students, you know, actually the only thing that they want is just sort of survive their first presentation. And, you know, if they have to go to a conference, you know, just, you know, let it either be just a poster or, you know, don't let me, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem to come natural to many of them. You know, it seems to come natural for some of them. And um, and of course, it, it takes a, a very careful approach. Um, and and of course, it, it, it really matters because I think that, you know, for students to be able to tell their uh, or to to sell their science, and I'm making well, quotation mark science here because, of course, we can. It's very difficult to to really talk about selling science. Uh, you know, it seems to be a taboo. Um, but I think that for students, it's very, it, it's 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 very important that they're able to just talk about their science. Um, you know, quite often, even in in you know teaching writing, we ask students to talk about their science. Uh, but when it comes to, of course, the presentations, it's much more important, you know, that they're able to find the vocabulary, but also find their their voice in in uh, in the science that they uh, in that they do. So we talked a, a bit about this uh, on the level of university now, and I would actually also like to address a bit of this cross cultural, you know, comparisons. Uh, because obviously it is quite a big difference in the same way as it is in academic writing. So. Uh, I would ask uh, both, of course, Jason and Judah, uh, what do you see as um, maybe some issues in the Estonian and American educational system, but on this lower level? So when we speak of high schools and elementary schools, to which extent, to what extent, 
uh, are these presentation techniques actually present? Do teachers uh, work with students on this? Well, I think one of the views of public speaking and presentation is that everyone actually does view it as a valuable skill. So you see it in business, you see it in marketing, and generally presentations, being able to perform public speech, is looked upon highly. But the flip side of that coin and almost the double-edged sword there is that a lot of times it's expected to be something that you can just acquire naturally. Oh, as you go through school, you'll give presentations, you'll figure it out, you'll be a good speaker, just give, you know, five speeches, and then, you know, you can entertain a crowd, or be a stand-up comedian, it's just talk more, and that's the solution. But the sort of problem with that model of thinking is that it is really inherently flawed, because a lot of times people view it as, oh, just a skill that you just develop and you work on, and oh, it just gets better no matter what. But in a lot of ways, speaking is both a skill and an art form. So there's certain techniques that you need to practice in order to actually be able to harness public speaking. You can be a very charismatic person, a great public speaker, um, but that doesn't necessarily translate into different mediums and different forms. And I feel like one of the expectations that I always get is, oh, you're American, so that's obviously why you're a good public speaker. Um, oh, yeah, you know, they have you guys talking at Walmart from the day you're born when you're talking to your cashier. And, oh, yeah, you know, you just talk to everyone at the bus station. And I feel like there's all these expectations, but telling a woman, oh, nice weather we're having, isn't the same as giving a full-on presentation. There's a lot of subtleties that you have to be able to acquire. Of course, giving more and more presentations and being aware of what the audience and how they're responding and adjusting yourself subtly will help that. But there's so many skills and so many just base-level things that you need to really be able to incorporate, and you have to learn in order to be able to actually work with an audience. When you go in front of a group of people, you'll just kind of freely move and go about where you are. But there's actually different techniques you can do to stand to help move every step you take and actually have that build on how your speech goes. The same way if you have a really funny friend, they might not make a great stand-up comedian if you put them in front of the mic. There's basically just a lot of different things that involve this. And so oftentimes, when people are already in elementary school and things like that, um, the way this is developed is, oh, hey, just go give presentations, or here's a PowerPoint. But what that happens is that actually builds bad habits in a lot of ways, because your public speaking development in at least the U.S. is, hey, you're going to give a class presentation, you'll work with a group of friends, um, here's your generic PowerPoint, say your title, say your points, read directly off the slide. And so then people build a comfort zone with that. And so actually, you can even see this within the courses we teach themselves. People come in and they have this expectation, okay, I'm going to read this PowerPoint. And that's not how it works. There's a lot of different ways to do it and a lot of different techniques you can use. But if you just go on thinking that, oh, hey, if I just give more presentations, I'll be a good speaker, but it doesn't actually work that way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I completely agree with that. And um, and I think that's, I mean, if, if I bring it back to the course itself, because, you know, you, we, you look at it in terms of, you know, product process. Um, so again, that I, th I think what they what they do a lot in high school, uh, and of course, also at the bachelor level, and I think also the master level, I mean, a lot of courses, they say, okay, well, we want to develop those skills. 
So basically, at the end of the course, you just have to give a presentation, right? So again, that's that very product orient orientation. So, I mean, what we see is that the feedback that students receive, you know, is essential for that learning process. And that's also what Jason, you know, is, is highlighting in terms of, okay, well, there are many different techniques that you can apply, but somebody needs to point that out to you. You know, somebody needs to say, and that somebody, of course, is an audience, you know, an audience needs to say, okay, well, I was looking at your presentation, you know, and, and you know, these are the things that I noticed. Uh, you know, one of the things that, of course, we also really encourage is that, you know, that we video record the presentations that, you know, that you do. Of course, the threshold for this is very, very you know, high. You know, students don't like to see themselves, but as a learning tool, I mean, this is very, very powerful. Um, but again, you know, somebody needs to point out, you know, some of the you know different techniques that you can apply to speaking. And and what we also see in the course at the moment is then actually, you know, the participants who are there. I mean, it's almost every week that they are presenting the same presentation. You know, so we ask them just to to change things and to to tweak, uh, you know, their their skills. You know, to think about their position. Um, you know, to think about the story that they're they're t selling. You know, to think about the feedback that has been given to them in the previous class. Uh, and you can see, of course, that th that learning um, is is very enriching for them. So they really develop a lot as as speakers. Of course, some of them might you know be much more active in that learning process than other because it really needs time to develop. And and of course that again that those expectations then some people might be much better public speakers than others. I, I think it's not true. I mean we've seen students come in in the course, really, you know, at the beginning incredibly um, scared and 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 nervous, and then going out of the course actually you know delivering wonderful speeches. You know, so it, it somehow it just needs to click for some people, and they need to just you know take that. Um, well, they, they need to take that positive feedback as well as critical feedback for themselves and, and see how they can develop. And I think that th those elements are really missing in, in for example, high school, um, bachelor master programs, you know, that, that element of, you know, giving others or giving them a chance to do it again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And on, on that note, actually, I would be interested of hearing um, what are some main difficulties that you actually encountered while working with students, if you could uh, list some and how you dealt with them? Yeah, there's a few different layers to it. So one of the biggest things is that initial anxiety. So, so many people have the fear of public speaking. It's one of those things that actually, even if you are a public speaker and do it professionally and do it all the time, you still have some anxiety because, again, you're going out in front of a crowd. They're judging you. You have your initial first impression, and now you have to remember what you wanted to say. And you don't have a lot of crutches to lean on because you're out there and exposed. So a lot of people even feel this anxiety on a smaller scale if they're presenting in front of one person or a friend and they're just trying to repeat what they have in their mind. And so they have these real strong anxieties that exist that actually hinder their ability to go out there and just confidently present their message. So oftentimes the first thing you need to really address is goes, okay, hey, so what kind of thoughts do you have about this? How are you feeling about this? What problems do you think you have? Do you like public speaking? Usually the answer is no. And then you have to go, okay, but why do you have that feeling? And how can we address and deal with it? So I think that's actually one of the very first issues is dealing with the anxiety and that what if and figuring out where they are and where they want to go with it. 
Yeah, and and, and I think in addition to this, um, specifically, well, at the PhD level, there's this uh, discrepancy between, well, who you are as an academic, um, so how you want to represent yourself or pre- or even present yourself as a scientist, uh, and and how does public speaking fit into that uh, notion? Um, so again, that. I mean, Jason earlier also, you know, spoke about storytelling and storytelling as being an important aspect of, you know, selling again, you know, your science or at least telling your science. Um, you know, for some researchers or for some, you know, uh, students, you know, those two are just not compatible. You know, so the science that they see themselves needs to be very rigorous and very dense and very you know you know riddled with with all the terminology and i need to just in my presentation demonstrate how much i know um and then you know trying to make them understand okay well it's not about you know you demonstrating you know all that you know in a very short period of time but but really making sure that you know the audience is is overwhelmed by the fact that you can tell or that you can um you know actually present your science in such a way that is understandable for them, right? So quite often we ask students at the beginning, okay, well, you know, what what would you consider to be a memorable, memorable presentation? And if you think about yourself as a presenter, how memorable do you want to be? And and of course we see that some students think then think about themselves, okay, well, I just I just want to make sure that I'm taken serious as a scientist. And, you know, so so those are also issues that we have to deal with, you know, trying to solve identity, you know, in terms of science, scientists and public speaking. You know, so the um, how do they match? Yeah. And even going off more into that, a lot of the things is people do realize that within the realm of academia, there is this sort of standard boring presentation that mm. everyone gives. So they're like, oh, yeah, I noticed that. I hate going to conferences because it's just a bunch of people giving me PowerPoint lectures that if they would have given me the PowerPoint, I would have been equally fine. But then even though they recognize that there's this problem, they go ahead and do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So they go, oh, this is such a boring presentation. I hated every minute of it. Okay, here's my boring presentation. I hope you also hate every minute of it. (laughs) So there's a lot of... Even people recognize that there's this problem in how they're thinking, but they do nothing to stop the train. They could mm-hmm. easily get off this train that's speeding to the doom, but they just kind of roll with it a lot of times. Uh, I guess it's easier sometimes to follow uh, the majority, although it's not good. But actually, this is a really great point that you mentioned, and also, uh, Judah, what you mentioned regarding uh, PhD students wanting to be taken seriously. And one thing that actually got to my mind when you mentioned this, uh, followed by Jason, was, okay, so, uh, but can't the presentation also be fun and at the same time serious, actually? Because we, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that if it's only, like, really serious, that it's actually quite interesting, that it also is able to communicate something. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it can also be fun. Exactly. And I think one of the things, especially that preoccupies PhD researchers and people just starting in the field of science is that academics are, you know, these like godly beings of pure knowledge and they have no other feelings or emotions Mm. beyond, you know, what is written on this article. But actually, people are human. We Mm. like stories. We like to be entertained. Even if you gave a not so great presentation, if it was slightly more entertaining, we're like, okay, well, at least that was fun. Mm. You tried. 
but yeah, so I feel like a lot of times we forget that these researchers are also human and they like a lot of the same things we do. So with it, again, going into those early anxieties, one of the things students mention is like, oh, I'm afraid to talk to people who are older than me or more experienced than me and that they're looking down upon me or judging me. But the thing is, a lot of those people wearing your exact same shoes just a few years ago, they understand how scary it can be. They understand that you're just getting into your research. And if anything, they're more interested in helping you and helping you develop than being against you and trying to shoot you down in any way. And if you don't go out there and, you know, express anything that's beyond a PowerPoint or even just resist, you know, trying new ideas and trying new things out that you'll get defeated. But actually, a lot of people are there to support you and want to help you develop as a researcher and be a potential collaborator. And if you're not really expressing who you are as a researcher, they don't really get a good feel of you and can't make that connection with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> no, I think as well that um, because, well, Again, we talked about storytelling earlier, and and actually the uh, the movement towards popularizing science. You know, I think that's that's an incredibly important topic at the moment. You know, where you know we as scientists also need to reach out to the um, well, you know, beyond our borders of academia. Um, and and you see, of course, that some of the conferences are trying to accommodate for that as well. So you know, trying to say, okay, well, we besides the normal, you know. 20 minute presentation or 15 or 20 minute presentation, we also offer different types of formats. Uh, I mean, the three minute uh, thesis competition, mm. the Coimbra competition that, you know, Jason uh, entered last uh, last year and got second uh, second place in. Uh, I mean, those are formats as well that 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 seem to promote a different type of communication of uh, of our sciences. Um, but but still, you know, it, it's it takes a lot of uh, preparation and it, it takes a lot of um, thinking outside of the box all right so again that you know for many of the students it's very easy just to follow the simple powerpoint templates you know that we offer them or that you know universities offer them or that conferences offer them um because it's it it's you know you can or you can format it in such a way that you can just survive those 20 minutes um, you know, but if you want to think outside of that box and say, okay, well, maybe I don't need a PowerPoint, or maybe I can use a, you know, a, a Prezi, or maybe I can, uh, for example, use a a, um, a whiteboard, you know, to mm. present my science. I mean, there are many different ways in which you can communicate it, but all of that really takes a lot of preparation, you know, and and that's I think the one thing that students forget. Um, miscalculate mm. so how much time do i need to prepare to really give a, a a memorable presentation or you know so how much time do i need to feel comfortable with the speech that i'm going to give um and and you know specifically at the beginning of your career it is going to take a lot of time but if you think about it you know that those students might only you know attend one or two conferences a year you know the amount of practice that they get of course is limited so you know, you have to find opportunities to to speak. You know, we have to provide students the opportunities to give their presentations. You know, whether it's you know in PhD seminars, uh, you know, whether it's at student conferences or you know you know whatever the 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 venue, it doesn't matter. You know, students need to be challenged. Thank you. And uh, also, we will slowly, slowly uh, wrap it up. But related to this, uh, would you have any specific? tips that you would uh, emphasize as the most important for early PhD researchers? Um, 
I, I think that, you know, of course, there, there are two things which are really important, two skills which, you know, for students are really important to develop. And that's, of course, writing uh, and the other one, uh, you know, public speaking. Uh, in terms of um, public speaking, I think they should look at it in the same way as they would develop their writing skills. So really actually trying to find opportunities to go to as many conferences as possible. Um, actually really putting yourself out there, you know, how scary it might be or how scary it actually is. You know, if you if you want to, if you really want to become a scientist, if you really want to, um, you know, have your science communicated to the world, the importance of it, then, you know, if you either need to publish a lot, and if you publish a lot, you'll probably get invited to speak a lot, you know. So in this case, in any in any way, you won't be able to avoid it. So you have to just, you know, you just have to do it. Yeah. So Just do it. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very simple. But, no, no, but true. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it would definitely be able to explain what you research in two to three sentences and mm. to be able to tell that to your mother or be able to tell that to your girlfriend or boyfriend or your cat basically knowing your research in a way that's understandable to anyone mm -hmm. so having that just short description of what you do why you do it why it's interesting and why it matters and being able to tell that to anyone from your advisor you know, down to, like, a little kid you found on the street. But just any way to be able to express what you do and why. Because I feel like so many people aren't able to answer that. And as you go further and further into your research, you lose touch with that. So I think being able to bring that out is what makes your research interesting, what makes your research unique. And being able to express that is really the most important thing. Because at a base level, that is how you should be functioning whenever you do anything related to your research. Just, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then being able to express it at any level. Well, Jason, Judah, thank you very much. Uh, do you have anything to add, possibly? Any other ideas or ideals or agendas? Uh, maybe just, you know, one last word about the about the course itself. Um, you know, I think it's it's really... You know, wonderful that you know Jason has also joined the the course uh, specifically because um, I think that you know that aspect of storytelling is becoming so much more important, and I think that also those techniques really apply to not just telling a story but actually to just giving a presentation. Um, so, so in that sense, you know, I I really hope that uh, that you know that early career PhD students, you know, so first second year PhD students will really reach out, you know, and, and follow that course because it will give them an outlet of practice uh, primarily. Yeah, no, we're always here to help you and definitely getting practice is the most important thing. So talk to Amir, talk to your friends. Talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. Talk to yourself. Talk mm -hmm. to walls. Um. But it actually helps, you know. I mean, I tend to walk around my flat just talking to myself and presenting. So Yeah, back yeah. in my uh, mm -hmm. competitive speech days, before we would have rounds of competition, we would actually give our speech to walls. So, you know, even if you don't have an interactive audience, being able to talk to a wall is your first step. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. you know, just start from <laughs> wherever you can. Mm -hmm. Completely agreed. Mm -hmm. But uh, thank you again, uh, Jason and Judah, for this really informative talk. And actually, I hope that we will have this discussion some other time as well. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you, Katarina. Thank you. 
Well, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to check out our Facebook and university webpage. We want to hear your questions and feedback, so message us on Facebook and we'll be answering you on a later podcast. Bye-bye for now.